You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Anderson. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Anderson. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I am joined with my other co-host, Amber Wilcox. Hi there. We're so excited for episode four. It's going to be a great one, and we can't wait to introduce you to our guest today. I personally am fangirling, so I'm very (laughs) excited as well. Rachel, do you want to start with that introduction? Yes, of course. I'm so excited to have J.R. Martinez here with us today. Um, J.R. is an Army veteran, burn survivor, actor, motivational speaker, New York Times bestselling author, Dancing with the Stars season 13 winner, and former EMC for Phoenix World Burn Congress. JR has traveled the world speaking with troops at various bases, as well as serving as a keynote speaker for numerous corporation events, nonprofits, universities, Fortune 500 companies, and he devotes himself to spreading his message of resilience and optimism. So JR, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Rachel, thank you for that introduction. Amber, what's up? Um, <laughs> the most important thing is not all that lengthy bio stuff. You know, the most important thing that I've done is that I am one, I through my work with the Phoenix Society, my introduction and spending so much time at World Burns before I even emceed it, I understood that I was not a burn victim. And I immediately embraced this concept and this idea of being a burn survivor. And I would just tell people I'm a burn victim shortly after I was injured because that's what I heard other people that are not that mm-hmm. that are not part of the community. That's how they referred to me. And, you know, and so finally being at the Phoenix Society at, at World Burn, I was like, burn survivor. Oh yeah. And I started to really (laughs) embody this element of like, no, I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. And so I think that's probably one of the coolest things that I've done is being able to kind of make that uh, connection, but then also to MC world burn, um, to have attended world burn. I mean, I've attended several world burns and just every single one of them. um, I'm equally as amazed and inspired and moved by the people that I get to share space with that are part of this incredible community of being survivors. And um, I love it. I love it. and, And I just, I still think about how it seems like 14 years ago, I think roughly was the first time that I went to a world burn. And, um, and, and honestly, my experience was, I thought I was the only burn survivor that existed where I was recovering in, mm-hmm. in Texas. And, um, then I walked into a hotel and just standing in the lobby and I'm looking around, I'm like, yo, there's so <laughs> many of us out there. And, <laughs> and then you start to talk to kids and adults and you realize there's a range of people that have become burn survivors through a variety of reasons. Some, you know, more tragic than others, but nonetheless, we're all here and we're sharing space and, and, um, yeah, so um, it's great to be here with you guys. I love the We're concept. We're so happy to have you. And I'm um, <laughs> just excited to be a part of the conversation. So I'll turn it back over to you guys because <laughs> it's your show, not mine. 
Well, thanks for joining us, JR. Uh, I know we have a bunch of questions for you today. Um, our community, you know, is wanting burning questions, we should say, or should not say maybe. But uh, Rachel, I'll turn it over to you to ask yeah. us your first question here. Yes. Well, you know, I know a lot of people in our community already know you, JR, and, you know, so many outside of our community too know you. Um, but let's take it back to the beginning. I know you joined the Army. So can you just kind of what inspired you to join the Army? And was that something you always thought you were headed towards? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, honestly, for me, Rachel, the I had this, uh, you call it a naive goal but it nonetheless it was my goal as a young kid where I played sports I played football and I just had this thought process that I was going to be a football player I wanted to go to college and play football um I, I and what a lot of people don't realize about me is is <clears throat> and one of the things that I, I want to touch on quickly is you know my childhood was um there was a lot of challenges a lot of trauma um my father left when I was nine months old my mother's an immigrant from Central America and Salvador raising me by herself um, I, you know, witnessed my mother, unfortunately be in very abusive relationships physically, verbally. Um, and I, and if it wasn't happening in my house, it was happening sort of in the apartment complex that we lived mm -hmm. in or in the neighborhood or whatever. And so I was just surrounded by a lot of this. There was, there was a lot of, um, disconnect at times. I, I know when I got into becoming a teenager, I felt like, completely isolated. I mean, I was Hispanic. I grew I was born in Louisiana, but I grew up in Arkansas and it was predominantly white and black. And I was one of the first Hispanic kids. And I just felt so isolated. I didn't feel like I had a community. I didn't feel like I belonged. And that was difficult for me um, as a, as a, as a kid, you know, just trying to find my space and where I fit in. Um, and, and, and I moved around a lot. Um, mm -hmm. My mother's financial situation would always change. And so we always had to go where there was affordable housing and, you know, to be complete, the reason I s share all of this, some people may say, well, that's, is that, a, is that relevant to Rachel's question? It is. <laughs> the reason why is because I want people to understand something is that when I was injured and a lot, and, and, and I went through a very difficult period, um, sort of, you know, adjusting to what we refer to as civilian world. That's what veterans call it or service members. And a lot of people just, I became sort of this resentful kid. I became pretty, um, I really put myself in some really, you know, bad situations. And people would always say, well, it's because he, you know, was at war and what he saw and what he experienced. And he's having a hard time dealing with, you know, his, his looks and his injuries. And to be honest, yes, that was a part of it. I can't ignore that, of course. But it was a lot of what I realized in therapy. What I realized a lot of it was, was the trauma way before any of this ever happened that I mm -hmm. never dealt with because culturally we're not conditioned to deal with it being Hispanic. Right. And mm -hmm. I, and there was nowhere in my household, there was resources for us to be able to dive into this. So I just want to point that out because I think there's this misconception that everything just starts in this moment. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. there's things over the course of your journey that you just sort of like a leak or like a little, you just, you know, put a little tape on it. Like, Oh, it won't leak as much anymore. And <laughs> it takes that one big thing to just set the whole thing off. And then now what everyone's going to look at this isolated situation, you know, when the reality is it's probably been accumulation of months and years. Mm -hmm. And so it's so, so important for people to understand that in life in relationships and anything that you do, 
try not to hold things in. Try to find a very helpful, resourceful, you know, healthy way of getting things out because the more mm -hmm. you keep it in, all it's going to take is that one instance. And then people are going to be like, where did that come from? And it's like, well, I've been holding this stuff in for however long and now mm -hmm. I'm going off. So, so I didn't really have a lot of um, role models growing up. <laughs> you know, so I saw what, what I played on TV and I just emulated like, I guess that's that's what I want to do. And as naive as that idea was because of the percentages of people that actually make it to one college and then make it to then to the next level mm -hmm. um, is really small. It was a great goal that I had because it kept me focused and kind of kept me away from all the stuff that was going on in my community. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a small town around 5000 people in Arkansas. And so unfortunately, there was a lot of people who just sort of had this mindset of this is life. And some people were involved in drugs and people were involved in gangs. And I just sort of kind of kept my head down because I was like, well, no, I'm going to go play professional football one day. Um, and then, of course, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to go to college and or get a scholarship. And so I was like, fine, no big deal. I'll pivot. And I remember actually going to a Division II school um, to have to have a meeting and they told me you can actually come to this school, but you're not eligible to play sports for mm -hmm. two years. And that was my whole, that was all I wanted to do. And I was like, wait, what? And they were like, yeah. And so, you know, like a typical teenager, I just said, uh, for like, forget it. I'm not going to go to <laughs> the way that I want it to happen because all of us have done that silly exercise where you take a sheet of paper and mm -hmm. you write out, in six months, I want to be here. One year, I want to be here. <laughs> I want to be here. All of us have done that exercise. And that's, that's a great exercise because it gives you something and you already put your thoughts and your ideas down, your ambitions down. But what we also don't teach people is that, okay, if you're going to do that exercise, we're also going to teach you that what happens if in six months you're not exactly at that point? Mm -hmm. What happens if in a year you're not exactly at that point? What happens in five years you're not exactly at that point? Do you just give up? Mm -hmm. Do you just say, oh, it, I, I'm a failure and, and it was not worth it at all? No. Like mm -hmm. you got to teach people to take something away from the journey, to adapt. Um, so anyways, 45 minutes later to get back to your original <laughs> question, anybody that's watching right now knows this is how JR gets down. Um, <laughs> you guys will quickly realize as hosts, you got to like wheel me back in. Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> no, what you're saying is just so important, JR, because I think um, as a newly burned survivor, I also have faced a couple of things in those messages. One, I think you were talking a lot about how things don't always go the way you want them to, right? But like, I think yeah. as burned survivors, we that's a part of what happens to us, right? Is yeah. like we we start off one way and we think things are gonna go the way that they are. And then, you know, my career path to Phoenix Society, I would, you know, two years ago, I would have never imagined that. So I think yeah. we have to adapt and know that there is maybe a greater purpose for us, yeah. but it's not always visible right then in yep. that moment. Absolutely. The other thing you said was the complex traumas, because I, you know, I also spend a lot of time in support group and I hear that a lot, right? Of like I didn't deal with what happened before the injury. And now that the injury happened, it's like this greater thing. And so I think like normalizing that, right. And realizing that mental health, you know, it was just world mental health day. So I think mental health is a huge part of our journeys. And so hearing you say that, I think was just really important for our community to hear. Cause I know that happens a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amber. And it's also, I mean, the reason I say that too, is now getting into Rachel's question as far as 
you know, so I sort of kind of just tossed it up in the air, like whatever, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And then I just happened to, you know, cliche, I saw a commercial on TV and I just, you know, very, one of the things that I am is I'm a very curious individual. And so, um, which is good and bad. And, and, <laughs> you know, and so I just very curious, I went and spoke to a, a, um, a recruiter he gave me a bunch of information and I went home and, you know, talked to my mom about the idea of doing it. And she was against the idea because I graduated high school in 2002, 9-11 already happened. We were already at war. Um, and my mother has lost a child due to the illness that she was born with. So my mother was like, no way. And, uh, you know, one of the most incredible things my mother was willing to do for me was just support me, even though she didn't understand or agree. And so I joined the army September of 2002 and I went off to, basically training for three months and assigned to my unit in January of 2003, March of 2003, I was deployed April of 2003. I was injured. So six months after I was, mm-hmm. um, I enlisted, I was mm-hmm. on a plane going to war. Three of those months I was in basic training and about three and a half, well, no, about a month, almost a month of that. I was home for the holidays and had a couple weeks down before I had to report to my unit. So that's four out of those six months, four months out of the six where I was just sort of just coasting and chilling. And then all of a sudden I'm now in combat and then less than a month into my deployment, life says, here we go. Let's go for this ride, my guy. What do you think? And, uh, you know, but again, that whole, you know, talking point we were just talking about as far as, you know, the, the complex trauma Amber, you're talking about is that it's also related to veterans. I think a lot of people, you know, for service members, we we go to the military, not all of us, some of us as an escape, uh, mm-hmm. as, as it's an opportunity. You know, I joined because I felt like it would give me an opportunity to get money for college. I'd get be able to travel. I'd be able to just see the world. I kind of wanted to get it away from the community that I was in. Um, even though the community that I graduated high school from was great, but I just felt like there was more out there in the world that I wanted to go mm-hmm. experience. And I felt that that was my ticket. And there's a lot of service members that relate to that, that have that mm-hmm. connection. And so in the mix of us trying to run away from something, which you bring with you is all the baggage and everything. And that's when it, when, when you're exposed to trauma, when you're exposed to combat, then of course, now we got a bigger issue on hand. Mm-hmm. So JR, you, you know, you have your accident, you're brought to a hospital, right? And you want to share a little bit about, you know, what, how did you, or when did you initially think, oh my gosh, life might not be the same again, right? And, and so can you tell us a little bit about that experience at the hospital and, and, and kind of how, what it was like thinking of, okay, what's next? Yeah, no, um, great question. You know, so I, was in a medical induced coma for three weeks. And when I came out of my coma within the first week is when I came to this, I, I, I was introduced to my new norm, my new reality of, of what life would be. And the first thing that was really difficult for me to comprehend was the idea that I was not gonna be allowed to stay in the army. I was gonna be medically discharged, which for me was very difficult because I thought to myself, that's the identity that I was creating for myself as a young man, as a young person, being a uniform, being of service. I, I kind of love this whole camaraderie thing. Um, and then they were like, no, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. So there's one of my identities that I was starting to create for myself that was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Well, then I remember, as every burn survivor remembers, going to the shower 
And I remember the excruciating pain that I would feel most, more specifically when they would touch my face. Mm. And I remember after a couple of days of going through this routine, going back into my ICU room and, you know, they just let you lay there and just dry off because your ICU room is so warm that you can just lay there for 10 minutes and dry off. <laughs> and I remember laying there and oddly enough, the, my nurse, Mike, he would always put on the San Antonio radio station, like on the TV. Mm. And, and so we'd be listening to music every time we went through dressing changes and, you know, all the, all the, the, the routine and this day, while I was laying there drying off, kid you not, the song Christina Aguilera comes on. You are beautiful <laughs> no matter what they say. And I'm listening to it as I'm laying there in this bed, and I'm literally just overwhelmed with emotion. Mm -hmm. I'm crying. I'm literally crying. Mm -hmm. And I'm crying because I'm like, you know, my body hurts from what I just went through. And I'm crying because I don't understand and so that was the moment when I asked Mike, when he came back into my room, I said, hey, man, I want to see my face. I want to see my body. And he was like, no, 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 no. He was like, no, not. He was very nice. Very, I mean, very, I mean, he's very, um, he's very Disney. And when, I'm, and, and when I say <laughs> that, because he, him and his wife are like Disney fanatics. Like, mm. like his Sounds kids like were me. older and him <laughs> and his wife were still going to Disney. Like they were living their best lives at Disney and he would always walk in around like, Hey buddy. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like stop. You know, it's like, <laughs> and you're like, Oh no, no, no buddy. Not now, buddy. You know, you got plenty of time and recovery and surgeries and blah, blah. And I was just like adamant. I was like, no man, this isn't, no, I got to know now. And I remember telling him, I don't know what I have to live with, but apparently I got to start learning how to live with this now. Mm. And he put me with the help of another nurse. They put picked me up and put me in a chair, and that's when I saw my face. You know, pull that little food tray over and pop mm -hmm. that mirror up, and that small little mirror, and um, and I just, you know, I didn't. It didn't take, you know, I didn't take a lot of time to to realize the severity of, you know, how bad I was injured, and um, in that moment, immediately, what I realized is I had lost the identity that I had known for 19 years of my life now. Mm. So within a matter of a few days, I've lost two identities that I've known. And that was hard. And I can tell you that there were, um, this was in, in, in San Antonio, there's, um, there's a festival that they do um, end of April, May. It's called Fiesta. And the whole downtown San Antonio you know, has this big festival. And, this, and so I remember that every evening I would actually like sit up in my bed as much as I could and just stare out the huge window out into San Antonio. And I can mm. see because when you're driving, it's like 10 minutes away, maybe 15, but I could, it, you know, it's kind of flat. So I can see like the Ferris wheel. I can see lights. I can see all this stuff. And I just would just stare out my window, like just crying mm. and just crying. And I started to feed the narrative of, oh my God, like my life is over. I'm never going to be able to, you know, walk down the street. I'm never going to be able to um, find a job. I'm never going to find someone that I could, you know, start a family with like, all those things went down, went into my head and I just kept feeding them. Yup. 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 That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was, um, that was, it was difficult. And listen, I, you know, 
I want to point out something before I ramble on for another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what you're saying is just so, so I think so many survivors can resonate with JR because everything you're saying, the shower, those are all places I've been. Yeah. And so I think this is just really important for others to hear that, you know, we're, yeah, we've all and, been there. You know, I, the, 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 the day that I was injured, um, for those that don't know, I was driving a Humvee and the front left tire, which was essentially right under my feet, ran over a, a bomb. I was trapped inside and it was engulfed in flames and I was completely conscious for the five minutes that I was trapped inside of this burning Humvee. Um, the reason why I want to just kind of go backwards a little bit is because I want people to understand that I can literally talk about every detail that I remember of those five minutes of being trapped inside of that Humvee, literally seeing my hands change, mm. um, which this community understands what I mean. Um, I gasping for air, screaming, um, feeling as if I've been in that, this trapped Humvee for five hours, not five minutes, because of course, when you're going through something like this, time is only amplified. And of course mm -hmm. your concept of time mm -hmm. is, is misconstrued. So you think you've been here longer than you actually have. But I can tell you the details of that incident, that day, that moment, those five minutes. I could tell you the details of that and tell you with a smile on my face. Mm. Like I can literally tell it, tell you that I remember seeing my hands. I was pinned and I remember seeing my hands like this and just seeing my hands change because they're grafted. Third degree, they're grafted here. And... Like, I'm like, yeah. And then tonight, I, I, you know, my daughter has softball practice. I'm going to drive her to softball practice. You know, I, I wish I wish I can help out because I feel like the coaches, you know, the, there's a lot of standing. You know, the girls are standing around a, lot, a little bit too much for me. So <laughs> I would love to help. But then, oh, yeah. So my hands, my hands. Yeah, I remember seeing like literally the skin. Mm. Um, but wait, what are we having for dinner? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just I don't my tone doesn't change. My Like, I'm just like, this is just every day. Why? Because mm -hmm. I've talked about it so much. Mm. First and foremost, with myself, with myself. And I did it in that time period when I would stare out that window and look out in San Antonio. I would literally remember everything that took place in that Humvee, the five minutes and the pain and, and the fear. And But I've talked about it so much that I've taken the power away from that moment. Mm -hmm. That everybody else looks at that moment and says, the 5th of April of 2003 was such a tragic day for you. And I'm like, yeah, I would have agreed with you up until 2008. Mm -hmm. I would have said, yep tragic maybe 2009 let's let's be realistic 2009 i would have been like yeah that was a tragic day in my life i would say around 2009 is when i stopped looking at the 5th of april as a tragic day and i started looking at it as a blessing mm -hmm. and i realized that that day even though yes it changed me but it it shed a lot of the old jr and allowed there to be a clean slate to embrace what was potentially could become the new jr so I refer to that day as my rebirth. That's the way I call mm -hmm. it. I call it my rebirth. And I think mm -hmm. that when we think of the term rebirth, most of us may reject that concept because naturally that means something has to end. Mm. I'm in a position in my life now, like 19 and a half years post, where I'm like, let something in. I'm cool with that. And <laughs> <laughs> like, right, let's go. Embracing like, it, right? Now that all, all I'm conditioned to learn now is, Something else is on the horizon waiting for me. That's better. That's that's supposed to fit me in this section of my book. 
that I'm living in right now in this particular chapter. So I'm supposed to embrace that thing. But if I'm sitting there constantly trying to go backwards, which I did, and I'll tell you this real quick. So I spent almost three years in the hospital. Now people hear that and they're like, oh. no. and I get it, right? Like I get it. Like three years in a hospital, I, I turned 20, 21, I turned 22 in the hospital, right? Mm. But a big reason why I stayed in the hospital that long, because the reality is, and, and I'm not downplaying the extent of my injury or anybody's this similar to me, or, but I was burned 34% of my body. Mm. Most of it was third degree, right? I honestly could have left the hospital six months after I was injured, right? Mm. They did such a great job patching me up, but I, I held on. Mm. And the reason I held on was one, cause I was in a safe space of being mm. in a hospital where there were people that didn't judge me, people mm -hmm. I felt comfortable with people that became family to me. And that's something that nurses and anybody in the medical field have to understand. You may be taught textbook how to address this issue, but you have to be prepared that you're also going to become a therapist, a friend. You're also going to have to learn how to protect your own energy because you're sitting at a bedside of Rachel and Amber and JR, and they're constantly venting, venting, venting. You're just taking on their energy, all their trauma, mm -hmm. all their pain. At what point do you turn that off and you can go home to live your best life mm -hmm. to, because you're entitled to that as well. And, and so I held on because of that. But I also held on because I was having a lot of surgeries. My plastic surgeon said to me, you know, I used to have curly hair, right? <laughs> curly hair. That was like my thing. Like, I, like if you saw a photo of me when I was a kid, I'm looking around my office. I'm like, do I have anything? Like, no, I don't. But if you saw a photo of me as a kid, like my, curl, my, my curly hair was my thing. That was my jam. <laughs> mustache at like 10 years old, then get to the curly hair. That was my jam. And then all of a sudden come out of my coma and I see my face and I'm like, where's my hair? Mm. And the third degree burns, you know, the scalp being completely, you know. And so my plastic surgeon, I remember him saying, well, if hair matters to you enough, we can do this procedure where we do tissue expanders. Mm. And I literally, all I had was like this little slit of hair, right? Mm. So I was like, how does this thing work? And he broke it down and I was like, let's do it. <laughs> so I, I put myself through the process of having tissue expanders, not one, not two, but three, mm. because I wanted to literally, it, that little slit of hair that was still there, I wanted to hold on to that and see if I can get a full scalp. Mm. But think about that. Psychologically, all I was trying to do was go backwards, capture mm -hmm. old me. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, life is telling me, dude, that's not you anymore. Stop, mm -hmm. right? And after all of those procedures of me trying to look like the old JR, like there was even an interview I did about seven, eight months after I was injured. It was 60 minutes. Mm. And I'm, I'm sitting down, I'm talking to this, first of all, because I'm a Southern boy. And first <laughs> of all, you, I have this most Southernest accent. I was like, who <laughs> is that dude? <laughs> but now he, I have to go back and listen. Oh my God. <laughs> so David Martin, like, asked me the question. He's like, you must notice that people look at you and do a double take. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I notice. I notice people look. And I was like, but I know why I look like this. And the doctors say that one day I can look like how I used to look. I remember years later watching that clip and I'm like, did you, JR, just hear what you, JR, just said? You clearly mm -hmm. were holding on to this concept of just trying mm -hmm. to recapture what you used to be. 
-hmm. There was no way you were going to look like you used to look. Mm -hmm. Even anybody that's never experienced the same trauma that all of us have Mm. are not going to look the same way that they used to look, right? That's just part of life. And yet Mm. I was holding on to something. So I stayed in the hospital a lot longer than I should have simply because I was getting work done. Let's just say that, right? Like, I was, <laughs> right? I was, a doctor was like, you know, so we could do a facelift. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take three. Um, is it Costco size, you know, a facelift, you know, bulk? You know, I get multiple of these. So I just want people to understand it because I want people to, to look, when they look at me and, you know, Rachel did such a beautiful introduction that I don't want people to look at me and say like, oh my God, like, yo, I don't know how he got to where he is, but it just happened for him. No. Mm. We have probably had the same emotions, the same experiences, the same fears, um, and yet still been presented with the same opportunities to embrace what life has given us in this very moment. Mm. The difference is, is for me, at least a couple of a few weeks into this space of where I was in, you know, struggling and you know, feeding the negative narrative. Um, I really had this really heart to heart conversation with my mother and, um, you know, my mom just challenged me and she just said, you know, listen, I just want you to, you know, just try to be positive. I just want you to believe that something good will come from this. I want you to try to have faith. That's what she said Mm -hmm. to me. And I can tell you that in that moment, I was just like, well, I guess what else do I got? Might as well, might as well try that. And something so simple, ladies, Something so simple that I did is I just stopped focusing on the long term. Mm-hmm. I stopped like this, this now, this sheet of paper that had these long term goals on them. Now they were literally short term goals. They were mm-hmm. like, how at the end of this day, what's my mm-hmm. going to be? What's my perspective going to be? And my thought process literally was survive the day. Mm-hmm. My goal became before you go to bed, no matter how difficult the day has been, because it was difficult as we all remember. Mm-hmm. try to find something positive in the day. And I could tell you how powerful this moment was when I stopped feeding, thinking about what may or may not happen. And honestly, it never happened. I have been able to find work. I have been able to stay employed. I am self-employed. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful children. I have surpassed everything, every fear and every false narrative that I told myself I've just mm-hmm. amplified it and went the other direction, right? So let's get that out of the way. But and it started then- with baby steps, right? Like you took these, like that's instead it. of a long term, and I think that's so important. That's, that's such a good message of like, little mm-hmm. tiny steps. You just, you just, you just, you just be open to the journey. Be open to learning something new every single day. And let me tell you the power of this, the simple thought process of not overwhelming yourself. One, I can put my energy into the experiences I'm having now versus wasting that energy on other things. But I remember because of the burns all you know, my face, I had to sleep on my back, which I'm not a back sleeper. I am, I am a stomach sleeper. I am a side sleeper. Um, and, and I had to sleep on my back because, you know, because of the, the injuries and, and, and the scarring and everything. And I, re, I would always every night just try to sneak over to my side, <laughs> you know, and just try to lay on my side. And, you know, you're trying to move finagle through all like the tubes and everything that, you know, and, 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 and I would like kind of get on my side and just do like this. And the nurse would come in and be like, no, no, yeah, get on your back. And so I, I remember like, you know, learning how to sleep on my back. And there was one morning when I remember getting up 
And when I started to sit up, I just felt this resistance. Mm. And I was like, like, what's that little tug? And I just kind of pushed through it. And I sat up and I remember turning around and looking at the pillow because I was like, that's where I felt the resistance. Part of the cartilage for my left ear was on the pillow mm. because I had slept in that position for so long that it just just stuck to the pillow. <laughs> Anybody else would be like, ah, oh my God, my ear's <laughs> on my pillow, right? Like, take it off, put it back. Right. I literally looked at it and I was like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> and I just, I just kept it moving mm -hmm. because I was willing to put the energy in the fact that, you know what? Yes, that's, that's, and think about the symbolization in that. Like I'm shedding, literally, literally shedding parts Your of ear. the old they are. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, all right, cool. But you know what? I'm alive. I can mm -hmm. see, I can hear, I can speak. I am learning how to walk. My hands are like this, you know, from all the tightness and, and, and the graphs and everything. And, but I'm getting some range of motion. I'm learning how to feed myself, go to the restroom, change the channel. Okay. There's, who cares about mm -hmm. literally an air? Like, I, I mean, I'm telling you guys, it, you don't have to make this huge leap from here to here. No one expects mm -hmm. that of you. Because mm -hmm. even if it happens, if life rewards you in that way, trust me. Life at some point is going to grab you by the ankles and pull you right back down and say, nope, there was this section right here you missed. And you got to got to deal with this section real mm -hmm. quick where you can get ready for the, the next height. And mm -hmm. and it's going to happen. And so, you know, it, it, it was it, it was one of those things where I still even till to this day you know let's talk about the big c word all right what is the big c thing the c word the big thing that we've been faced with the last couple of years on the count of three we'll say it together amber and rachel one two three change COVID. <laughs> that's what i was gonna start to say <laughs> a lot of change a lot of things that all of us had to adapt to but the thing is is that you know when i look at my recovery my life as a burn survivor I think of my recovery as constantly preparing me for change. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is like, oh my God, my world is upside down. You talked about Amber, like we as burn survivors, that's just part of our, you know, like mm -hmm. we're conditioned and we kind of, and I'm like, yeah, even when you think about how you can have, you can make progress on getting some range of motion, but because skin is the way it is and all of a sudden it tightens and all of a sudden you lose that right now, mm. you're regressing. We're constantly just getting a little bit, getting a little bit taken away, but having to persevere, get a little bit more, it'll take, mm. a, and we're just constantly pushing through. So mm -hmm. I just, I really still live by this, this element of I'm going to focus on the things that I'm going to put my energy into. I'm not going to focus mm. on what I can control. I'm not going to focus on where, what may or may not happen. I'm going to focus mm. on in this moment now. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, even though I do have long-term goals, me putting a lot of my energy into the present, into the current has mm. really allowed me to succeed and still create, you know, I guess a successful life for myself. Spending a lot of time in the moment, right? I do a ton, of, a ton of yoga, JR. And I think that has been the... 
the thing that has taught me to like, right. And like, whether it's just like recognizing, I, I was actually talking about this just the other day, but you know, grounding, right. Yourself. So, okay. How do I stay in the now? Well, okay. What do I see? You know, what do I use my senses for? So am I smelling, you know, something we're cooking? Am I, you know, hearing the dryer? And so that's how I ground myself is by finding those things that are in my present moment that I can focus myself on when yeah. we have all those things that are Distractions. Yeah, just the, I like to call them the monkeys, right? So those monkeys that are just coming out to play in our heads, right? So I think that's your message is so important because you've been there just like everybody else that's a survivor. It's we've all been in that place of just constant change and uncertainty. And I think that's such a powerful message because it it is something that is ongoing for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's too why we encourage survivors, you know, whether it's journaling or taking photos of your scars every day, like, yes, every day, you're not going to see a major change. But if you look back at your scars a month ago, what progress have you made? Or if your long term goal is to, you know, get back to running again or something? Well, what's step one? Is it walking around your hospital floor and just making yeah. a full lap on your own? And, you know, all those little steps can build up to to your long-term goals and but but pace yourself on that on mm. i remember when i was learning how to walk again that therapist came in and uh my ot kim and she was helping me walk and there was another nurse on the other side of her helping me and you know i remember we just started with just taking like literally walking to the door and back and mm -hmm. then it, you know a, a week or so later then it turned into like the door and you kind of went a little bit around and then you came back and then i remember you know a few weeks later i was like you know, we did like a full lap around inside of my ICU room. We did a full lap inside the ICU room. And then they were like, okay, that's enough for today. I was like, no, I could do another lap. I could do another lap. And they were like, no, that's it. I was like, I can do another lap. <laughs> and so sure enough, my stubborn ass, you know, kind of pushes everyone to be like, no, I'm going to do another lap. And so I do another lap. I get back to the bed and all of a sudden I go, <laughs> <laughs> all over the floor. Just and the OT Kim is like, I told you, you pushed yourself too much. Mm. And I look at Mike, I'm like, I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm sorry, <laughs> I should have stopped. And he's like, it's okay. You know, it's okay, buddy. No, it's okay. You know? and, <laughs> but like, literally, like, you know, to you learn, point, yeah, you know, hey, I've learned self care, right? Pace is yourself, like, pace yeah. yourself, it don't. You're going to get frustrated. Your mind's going to tell you all these things that you can and you want to do. And that's fine. You'll get there, but pace yourself. And mm -hmm. I mean, hell, people that aren't going through what we've gone through, hell, just I'm 39 years old. And just the fact that, you know, um, I mean, I think about now everyone at the Phoenix Society, God, Lee, I'm like, they've known me since I was a pup. Like they really have known me for a very long time. Like I was a baby when they met me. Very naive and just kind of going through the motions, but whatever. But it's true. I mean, you know, and like even people just every day. I mean, I love running. I love running. Has nothing to do with my burns, right? It has everything to do with just the fact that I'm older. And like the doctor's like, yeah, your knees. And I'm like, what about them? They're there. They're there. And he's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be running. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, I'm still holding on. I'm still mm -hmm. like, well, maybe if I do some strength training, some cross training, I'll strengthen the muscles and everything around these, this, 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 this part of my knee. So that way to strengthen it. So I can do that marathon one day. Like I'm just, so it's like, we're battling the same things other people are battling. Mm. We're just probably getting it front loaded on the front side of, you know, and mm. all a crash. Like we're getting it right now in this moment. And mm. that really is a, a, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? That really is a, an advantage. We, mm. It really gives us an advantage over the rest of people in society because we are having to learn and, and, and do some inward soul searching about who we are. And a lot of people in society are just kind of monkeys, monkeys, monkeys. Mm. Yet we're blessed with this opportunity that where we have to stop and pause, whether it's three mm. months you're recovering, three years, you're always recovering, but you have to mm-hmm. stop and pause and actually like look inward. You have to turn mm-hmm. some lights off. You had to turn devices off and you got to sit there in that space. To your point, Rachel, I remember, you know, when I got out of the army, so I spent three, almost three years in the hospital. I got out when I was 22. Um, I remember being home. My mom lives in Georgia and I went to Georgia on a trip. And I remember um, my mom lives like in this, like uh, her back of her house is like some, you know, kind of like a wooded area. And I remember being in my room and just, you know, and there were things that would constantly trigger me. Like mm. if I saw, like if I saw, like, if I saw a girl and I thought she was attractive or there was something about her that really, you know, just, you know, that, that, that attracted me to her. Um, if that girl didn't reciprocate any of that energy, right. Mm. It, I all of a sudden took it immediately. It's my scars. It's mm. because of the way that I look. She didn't want to talk to me because of the way that I look. Mm-hmm. I all that was the easy out. That was the easy out. Right. And I spent there would have those 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 moments where I would get triggered and I could tell you vividly and I still have the freaking hold on, let me see let me see hold on give me one second pause commercial break pause. We're coming right back. <laughs> <laughs> well I can say I can relate to that feeling because so I'm a childhood burn survivor so why I don't you know remember what I looked like before my injury growing up and you know you're teenagers and I want to talk to boys and the moment they didn't want to talk to me I was like it's because I'm these scars and why would they want to talk to me and then you get that negative you know thinking and you gotta you gotta find ways to get out of it yeah well Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it here but what I was trying to find is I still have the binders where me sitting Mm -hmm. in my mom's room it'd be two o'clock in the morning and I'm just literally staring out this window into that wooded, you know, tree line and just crying and just writing and just writing everything that I was feeling, you know, just writing, whether it made sense or it did not I just didn't matter. I was getting whatever was inside out. out. And it didn't help that I was also listening to like Metallica. Like that probably wasn't the best. Record, you, know? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, like it was like. <laughs> You know, but not like the, the hardcore stuff, like the sort mm. of the, you know, the radio stuff, radio mm-hmm. Metallica that everyone was like, oh, I can buy with this, you know, a little bit. But I was just like, just jotting. And it was just, and it took a long time for me to get to that place where I finally was like, no, JR, if I didn't have these scars and if I looked the way that I looked before, how arrogant of me to think that without these scars, that if I talked to any girl, any girl would be interested. Like, that's kind of arrogant mm. of you. So I realized, no, that's just kind of how life is. Not everybody's mm-hmm. for everybody, right? Like, you know, like you find somebody attractive, they don't necessarily find you attractive. Somebody may find you attractive, you may not be that interested in them. Mm-hmm. It's just the way life is. Mm-hmm, you right. may like the same things in music or food or experiences. They they may be crazy. You're not. God <laughs> bless you that you didn't fall for that. I'm just saying, like, there's mm-hmm. crazy out there, right? And yeah. so for me, it was just a matter of you know, really get into that place of saying, Hey man, like stop being so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and I think once I developed that attitude of, you know, stop being so hard on yourself and then also get into a place where I just said, you know what, 
if nobody likes it, the hell with them. Mm. The hell mm-hmm. with them. You know, and the yeah. reality is the odds are in my favor because let's say Amber and Rachel don't, you know, don't like JR for whatever the reason is. Well, you know what? The odds are in my favor. There's a billion more people to pick from. Mm-hmm. Why do I need to sort of put all my efforts and energy on these two people that, you know, for whatever reason, I'm just not their cup of tea. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll move on to the, you know, to somebody else. I'll find somebody else. I'll find another community for myself. Mm-hmm. And once I sort of developed that attitude and realized that's how it was, I didn't put that much pressure on every conversation that I would have. Mm-hmm. Cause I would go into conversations and I'm going to be straight up dating wise. I would go into a conversation with a girl that I met at a bar or a friend or whatever. And I would immediately put this immense amount of pressure. Like this mm-hmm. is actually going to be the relationship. And it was because I wasn't secure. I, mm-hmm. I needed that. I needed someone else to hold me up and that's too much pressure to put on somebody else. So yeah. even if, me and that person would have ended up connecting and saying like, no, let's date or whatever. I I mean, I've ruined some relationships because I just put so much pressure and expectation on one individual Mm -hmm. and it's not fair for anybody to have Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. And you also have to identify the people that you're potentially putting this pressure on. Are they emotionally prepared Prepared. Mm -hmm. actually doing and giving you what you need? Mm -hmm. And, we're not talking about physical. We're talking about emotional. We're talking about the heart. We're talking about mentally, the mind. Are they mm-hmm. able to meet you where you are? And what I've mm-hmm. learned is that Amber, Amber's my homie, that if I feel this today, I can call Amber for that. Not mm-hmm. Rachel, Amber. Two different people, two different personalities, two different approaches, philosophies, whatever. Amber's my person when I'm, when I'm in this space. Rachel's mm-hmm. my person when I'm in this space. Not Amber, mm-hmm. Rachel is. And I learned how to not go to the same well and tap and tap and tap. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you just extracted everything. There's nothing else. But then I get frustrated because I'm like, why is it this person giving me what Mm. I need? They don't have anything left for me. So what I started doing is sort of delegating this and saying, okay, cool. Amber's my person for this. Rachel's my person for that. My boy over here, that's my person for that. Mm -hmm. That, that, that. And now I I have an arsenal, a team of people. community where i can go mm-hmm. to and say this is my vibe and because mm-hmm. of that and i'm not saying this because i want to brag or anything but because <laughs> we're in this very like this is like jr's mu- museum hall like, of fame I'm yeah museum. there it is <laughs> right? you have to pay admission right uh, exactly. jr's jr's yeah. Uh, museum yeah, yeah 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 absolutely and so like when you come in like you see the things that i've some of the things that i've been able to do but the one that I want to point out right now, you can't see it from the angle, but it's on the wall over here. It's a People magazine. It's the mm. Sexiest Man Alive issue. I was in that. And I'm not saying that to be like, <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> there was a point, as I've already shared 45 minutes ago, that I was like, no way I would ever be able to be in society and live in society. Mm-hmm. And now I'm listed. Well, I was. I don't know. But was listed as one of those dudes, right? Why? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, the thing that I realized that was attractive was somebody that's just confident in who they are mm-hmm. and what they are and the stage of life that they're in. Someone that's willing to embrace them and say, this is me. This mm-hmm. is me. You know what? And I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to sit here and try to, to mold to you. No, this is who I am right now. And it is what it is. And you vibe with it, you vibe with it. If you don't, cool. Nice to meet you. You're a lovely person. 
you know, our paths are just not intended to cross at this mm -hmm. point in life, period. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone, you know, I can relate to that too. And, you know, it's not an overnight thing. It's not all of a sudden you're just going to have the self-confidence. You do have to work on it. And, yeah. you know, dating in high school and college for me, like I did the same thing. I put a lot of pressure on whoever I was dating to build me up because I needed it. And then once I learned how to build myself up, I mean, now my fiance is like, your scars are badass. Like, I love them. And I'm like, yeah, I thank you. I know. Like, and I love it. But like, you attract people with the energy you give off. So if you oh, feel I the confidence, yeah. I think scars mm -hmm. are so sexy. I could tell you when I've gone, when I went to burn survivors, I would look at some of those girls. I'm like, though I'm a, a world burn, and I look at some of those girls. I'm like, damn, you look good. <laughs> and I remember there was a there was a there was a point where I was dating this girl who was not uh, a burn survivor, and um, she came with me to uh, one of the one of the world burns. And I remember like when we were walking out, I was like, the, you know, this person, I was like, she was so beautiful. And like this other, and, you know, I was just more just like, just, you know, just the way mm -hmm. I talk. And she was like, like really threatened at the idea that I was going to like, cause she was, mm -hmm. you know, she was like, no. And I'm like, but no, it's, it's attractive. It's sexy mm -hmm. for someone that can just embrace that their scars are, are stories. And mm -hmm. it, it, it tells a story that how they're, they've persevered through something very difficult and mm -hmm. yet they can still smile and yet they can still go for a run and yet they can still wear a sleeveless shirt. Even though my arms are grafted all the way up to my shoulders, like I'm still going to wear a sleeveless shirt. Like there's mm -hmm. something that's really sexy about that and so rachel mm -hmm. when you talk about your fiance saying your scars are badass and you know i know you're trying to keep a pc it's okay, <laughs> yeah, it's okay so this episode's not rated, rated for children right i know my audience you know, you know what he's really saying rachel but like that's a beautiful thing when you just embrace it and my mm -hmm. wife who again is not a burn survivor not part of the community is like i love your scars like i it's so weird to me like like I like my daughter, even who's 10 years old now will come up and, uh, and, and just like, there's a part of my arm where she just, mm -hmm. like, she'll come up and just talk to me and just like rub my, rub my graft. <laughs> and she just, like, just rubbing my graft. And he was like, okay, cool. Like, and it's just, I've just, I've normalized it so much that mm -hmm. even at my daughter's school, which again is I've had all these moments over the course of the last 19 and a half years, all these moments that, are either going to propel me forward or propel mm -hmm. me backwards or, or, or stall me. And what I mean by that is I'm always in these new spaces. So having kids, you're going to be around kids, kids mm -hmm. that are very curious, kids that don't really have filters. Ask, yeah. Ask but, questions that are inappropriate sometimes, exactly. right? <laughs> I have learned again, going all the way back to looking at the 5th of April, I'm taking the power away. I'm taking the power away from somebody that stares at me and does a double take that just doesn't know how to come up to me and say, hello, I'm curious what happened to you, right? I'm going to take the power away from that moment. I'm going to take a power away from, you know, when I was, <laughs> I to, my daughter used to do Taekwondo and, 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 and I remember I'd drop her off and I'd stay there. It was only an hour. So I'd stay there and, you know, and uh, she's 10 now. So this was probably, she was five and five, six. And so there was this one little kid, Peter, 
and he'd come up to me. And one day he was like, what happened to your ear? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there and, you know, of course he's so loud. And yeah. it's just like all the other kids are like, yeah, what happened to your ear? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and what happened to your ear? And I was like, and I was kind of joking. And I was like, oh, I lost it, Peter. Can I, can I borrow yours? And I'm like, <laughs> and he runs away laughing right the next day i'm thinking okay i handle that we're good i come back in i drop my daughter off i sit down where's your ear did you find it <laughs> no peter i can't find my ear and i let me get yours no he runs off again i'm like yeah okay cool dealt with it that day third day really peter is gonna be successful in life let me just tell you that but peter i walk in i sit down peter's like Where's your ear? And don't tell me you lost it. Where's your ear? And this time I was kind of like in the, I was like in that mood that day where I was like, mm -hmm. I just, nothing was going to, you know, you know, sit well with me. And I was like, you know what, Peter? And, 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 and I tell the joke, it's not really how it happened, but I, I, I tell you, I was like, you know what, Peter, we all got shit, man. We all got stuff. <laughs> you got boogers that fly out of your nose. Every time you breathe, one comes out, one goes back in, like, but I don't see her and ask you every day, where's your Kleenex? Where's your Kleenex? You know, I didn't do all of that. But what I really did, that's what I wanted to do. But what I really did was I, you know, just finally realized, okay, this kid really wants to know. All right, so mm -hmm. let me just break it down for him. So I didn't go into detail as far as like the military. And mm -hmm. I just said, oh, I was in an accident. I was in a fire and this is what happened. But I can still hear you. And so, again, mm -hmm. I just took, but think about it. I could have easily after that first time mm -hmm. been like, no, I'm going to let my daughter walk in by herself or I'm going to drop her off and leave. And I'll wait in a car. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, um, put myself through that. Yeah. The second day, the third day, I still kept showing up and putting myself in the space because I want people to know I'm going to keep coming back. I'm entitled to this same space, just like you are. So either one of us has to figure out how to sort of kind of get through all this awkwardness and have a conversation and connect as human beings. And if it has to be me, that's fine. I know that I'm in the position and I don't mean that because of the things that I've done. I mean, all of us are in a position where we're educators. We're literally educators. Everything that we do every day, walking through all the spaces that we occupy, we're teaching people. Mm. We're all leaders. The most basic form of leadership is modeling the way. What does that mean? That means the way that you move through all these spaces, your body language, the way you dress, like all these things. It's, it's just, how do you move through these spaces? When I was in the hospital recovering, people would come up to me and say, I don't know who you are. Mm. I don't know who you are, but I just want you to know that you know, I saw you smiling. I saw you having a good time. And I just want you to know that like that meant something to me. And I was like, all right, cool. Have a great day. Peace. And I just kept the moving. <laughs> I was living my life. Guess what? That wasn't isolated to that period of my life. A couple months ago, a couple months ago, I'm at the grocery store with my family, you know, pushing the, pushing the baby. We, we have a 10 year old daughter. I said that like five times already. So <laughs> our daughter who's 10, just in case nobody caught that. Uh, <laughs> But we also have a, a 14 month old son. And, um, and so I pushed him in a stroller and my daughter and my wife, uh, my daughter who's 10 it, is, uh, is behind me with my wife. And as I'm approaching <laughs> the exit to the store, there's an older gentleman standing there and he looks at me and he says, um, you know, I see him kind of staring at me. And so I just kind of, maybe break the, the fourth wall here. And I was like, how you doing? 
And he says, you inspire me today. And I was like, well, how so? He said, so I recently had this injury to my leg and he points down and I look down on his leg and I see his leg is bandaged up. And he said, I was in this store and I just kind of had a moment to myself thinking, you know what? I can't be in this store. I got to leave. Mm. Right. So he's like, I was just about to walk out of this, this store. And then I saw you. Mm. I saw you laughing. I saw you having a good time. I see you with your family and you inspired me. He mm. says, don't get me wrong. I'm still going home, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. Mm. And this guy knew nothing about you know, the dancing, the acting, the book. He didn't, he didn't know who I was. All he saw was a survivor that was living. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, hey, man, you know, I said, um, it's all good. I said, you know, you introduce yourself. It takes periods, right? And you just keep slowly keep reintroducing yourself to these spaces. And eventually this becomes your store. I said, because I can walk around the store. I know everybody in this store. And, and I was like, then that'll be you one day, man. And he was like, I, and I said, just give yourself grace. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. Be patient with the journey. This is a man, I'm guessing. I'm 39, as I've said. That man was probably in his 60s. Mm. I, I'm telling this older gentleman something. That's the power that all of us have, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this experience, this journey, the story that we have can help bridge a lot of these gaps Mm. these spaces where i mean listen ageism as much as we talk about racism and sexism ageism also is a thing that happens Mm -hmm. in society where well you're just a young kid and i'm gonna treat you this way because you're young and i just perceive you have no experience you don't know what you're doing Mm. well you're just an old person that just kept doing it the old way and that's not successful and you're not gonna get the most roi you're not gonna you know blah 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 well if you can just find ways to come together and realize that hey i can leverage what you know young buck and then mm. the young buck says, you know what? I can leverage your experience and your knowledge. If we can bring this all together, maybe we can even create something more successful. Mm. What we create in the context of this conversation is a community. We expand mm-hmm. our community. We allow people to realize that, yes, we are burn survivors, but most importantly, we're survivors. We're people. We're adapting. We're kicking ass every single day. And we're showing up because you know what? The spaces that you occupy, people that are not part of this community, we can occupy them too. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important, JR. And we talked a little bit before the, the stream, right, about how you got your start in telling your story, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I have a couple of quick questions for you about Let's that. Let's go. Um, first question, what would, you, what would you say to another survivor who hasn't told their story, but maybe wants to, how would, how would you recommend they get started? Right. And just kind of like how you got started. Yeah. Uh, so, you that? Yeah. So I got started. I was literally in the hospital killing time between appointments. One of the nurses asked me to visit a patient who had just arrived in the hospital and was having a difficult time. And I said, no. And I was 20. And she said, just go in and talk to him. I said, well, what am I going to say? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I don't have any you know, I don't have any sort of academia training or anything. And she said, just talk to him. And I remember walking into this room and it was, it was definitely not a good space to be in. Uh, you could tell he was in a bad place, but I just walked up to his bed. I asked him four questions, four questions. I asked him what his name was, where he was from, what unit he was with and where he was, how he was injured. That was it. Mm-hmm. 
And 45 minutes later, I was like, all right, man, I'll come back and check on you tomorrow. So see, mm. that was the first time in my, in, in, in my life where this concept of a conversation was redefined. I always believed that a conversation consisted of this three of us here, that we all had to speak equal amount of time. What I've learned since that interaction is that a conversation can literally be Rachel and Amber talking for 45 minutes and me only speaking for 15, but I spent 45 listening. That's still a conversation, mm -hmm. right? Not hearing, listening, actively listening. There's two different... Mm -hmm. There's a difference between the two. And, and literally, as I had that interaction with that patient, I exited the room. I started visiting more patients every single day in between my, appointment, between my appointments. Finally, a couple months later, I came to this conclusion where I was like, you know what? Visiting all these patients, as much as I thought that I was doing something for them, what they did for me was reintroduce me to this concept of service. They allowed me to realize that there was power in me telling my story, that there's power in the way that I communicate my story. So that literally started me getting into the nonprofit sector, raising awareness for veterans. That then led to people re reaching out to me to come and speak, which then led to, you know, just continuously just kept growing and growing and growing from there. Mm -hmm. But it all started in that one moment when I could have ignored that nurse and said, no, I'm not going in there. Instead, I was willing to put myself in the space. So for anybody that is in the space right now that they want to start talking, I would say, you know, start in a, in a safe space. Where do you feel comfortable? Right. Is it with one close friend or relative that you have? If it's not a person, as Rachel alluded to earlier, literally sit down and just write. A few years ago, I went to a burn hospital on Christmas. And what I took is I, I didn't take things for the kids, for the patients. I took journals for the parents, for the caregivers. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, you guys are going to need outlets mm -hmm. and you can't under, I mean, God, we, this is 2022, right? We have phones. You can, you can record into your phone. You can mm -hmm. record right in your notes. Yeah. You, know, you talked about taking photos of yourself, Rachel, and just be able to see the progress over time. Well, guess what? You can equally just record yourself on video mm -hmm. and then later down the road, go back and revisit and see how much you've grown find a group like the Phoenix society, find a group that's already been doing this. You don't have to come in right away mm -hmm. and be expected to sort of share your entire journey. You can go for the first six months and just listen and literally just listen until you feel comfortable and you're ready. But the point is you, it, at some point it's on you and you have mm -hmm. to be willing to take that step and you have to be willing to be vulnerable because what I've discovered as I think it's Brene Brown that says in vulnerability, mm -hmm. you find community. And mm -hmm. I have found that in my vulnerability, which I've been very vulnerable with you guys over this last hour. Yes. It, there's no judgment. I know that. Mm -hmm. And if there is, then fine. So be it. But I know most of all, I'm going to gain more of a community. And that's what this mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. For sure. Definitely. Well, one area that you did get judged in, though, was on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and so Amber and some I. Questions. Yes. Amber and I <laughs> are yeah, are huge fans. So, are you watching this season? I am. I haven't been able to uh, catch up. I haven't been able to watch um, every week so far. Um, but Who I. Who are have... you rooting for, Jr? We have to know. Oh, man, that's that's. Are you gonna do that to me? I'm rooting for Gabby because I'm a big Bachelor and Bachelorette fan, and I'm uh, always rooting okay. for the okay. whoever's coming out of that franchise. I'm okay. a huge fan of Wayne Brady, so I got to give it to Wayne. Oh, I love but me some Wayne Brady. Wayne I Brady's love me some Wayne Brady, but I also am a trash TV fan, and I watch a lot of Jersey Shore, so I'm a huge fan of Vinny. Vinny, so I'm I'm kind of in in between there. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely love me some Wayne Brady. Um, 
I love, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I think I'm a sucker also too for like Selma and, Selma. and what she's, you know, overcoming Daniel, mm -hmm. what he's, you know, mm -hmm. what, what he's able to do on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I tell you that Jordan Sparks, I met Jordan Sparks. Is she still on? Yeah, she is. She's yeah. still. Yeah. So I, I met her a few years ago, such a sweetheart. So I kind of was like rooting for her as well. Mm. Um, let me tell you a funny story about like how this whole thing works. So um, earlier in Dancing with the Stars in the franchise, Emmett Smith was on. Emmett mm. Smith, for those of you that are not football fans, was a very highly successful Hall of Fame running back for the Dallas Cowboys, won multiple championships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hall of Fame guy. Well, I grew up watching Emmett Smith play. And, mm. um, when I was on the show, um, or after I was on the show, I came back the following season, which they did an all-star season, and they mm -hmm. brought a bunch of different people back. And they didn't bring me back because I had just been on the show, and they thought it would be mm -hmm. a disadvantage of somebody who was already conditioned, which I got. Mm -hmm. So I come back to just watch a show. I'm walking up to the studio, and I hear, JR. And I turn around, and it's Emma Smith. And I'm mm -hmm. like, trying so hard not to geek out. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Smith knows my freaking name and he's like yo he comes up shakes my hand he's like yo man you know I loved you on the show man you killed it like all the and I'm just sitting there like just trying to keep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. trying to keep it cool yeah cool. yeah yeah cool all right you know like trying to come up with nicknames for each other now all of a sudden all right you know um and he says hey man I would love to have your support you know this season and I was like all right cool Emma Smith he gives me his cell phone gives me mm. his phone number you know this is my digits man you know i'll just you know text you sort of my voting number and all that stuff so i was like, all right cool so a couple of weeks go by he's texting me hey man if you wouldn't mind sharing i'm and the thing was is that oh my god what's her name she was from like um one of those disney shows sabrina oh my god it's escaping me right now she was i gotta i gotta google it real quick uh, um, is it not one of the cheetah girls? Was it? Yeah, yeah, the cheetah girls. Sabrina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget her last name. Um, hold on. Cheetah <laughs> girl, Sabrina Bryan, or at least, yeah, Sabrina Bryan. She was on that season, and she was good. The girl was killing it, and I was like, I think I'm going for Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him so, it. <laughs> I, I ghosted Emmett Smith, a <laughs> Hall of Fame running back. I ghosted him because I didn't have, I didn't have it to tell him like, yeah, I kind of really want Sabrina because she's a better <laughs> dancer. Like, oh man. So you got to be careful, like in this space, man. You start like people start, you know, they start trying to hit you up to to, to try to be on to this, vote you know, for him. Man, vote for him, and then you're like, oh, but I'm I'm I, I like this person, and I'm that person. Sometimes I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not all about like just the popularity component. I'm like, who can dance? Who can get mm -hmm. down? And I'm all into saying, the dancing. Yeah, yes. I grew up dancing, and I gotta I gotta have the good dancer. I can't yeah. vote for you if you don't get yeah. the good the good. I don't notes. need just a personality, right? Like, no, mm -hmm. the personality is cool, and that's that's good to have. But if you can get down, that and that's I think cool. that's and why I'm such a Wayne mean, fan because I know Wayne can get down. He can get down. He can get down. He's he got the personality, right? You know, yes. whatever. So, um, but yeah, that's 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 the funny. So, last story. and final question, Jr. And mm -hmm. I don't think you know this, but my anniversary is on April fourth. So we're anniversary buddies. Uh, but so I, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask is, how do you celebrate? Because you're 
pretty far out now from your accident. Do you still celebrate your anniversary? And and how do you celebrate it? Um, or, or has it been different every year? Um, it's different every year. I mean, there was, there was um, you know, when I was younger, I would go skydiving. Um, literally, I would like, I'm gonna jump out of a plane. That's today. amazing. And, uh, and then, um, uh, and then it just, it's, it's evolved, right? Like, I think I do celebrate it. Yes. Um, which everyone in my household is upset that I have multiple things to celebrate, right? They're like, <laughs> oh, you got your birthday, you got Father's Day, you got your, you know, your rebirth, you, you know, you just got all these things to celebrate. Um, but for me at this stage of life, honestly, because, you know, I, you know, I have a wife and I have kids and you know, I have a really good support group of people that I just love to just be with them. And if that just mm -hmm. means grabbing dinner, if that just means, you know, sitting down to have a drink, you know, and just kind of reflect on life and, and, and then kind of really kind of sort of do a, a sort of check the pulse moment, you know, it's kind of, where am I, you know, where am I, what, what, am I, am I in alignment with what it is that I've wanted to do? Am I in alignment with the work that I, that I set out to do? Like, which is for me is all about service and impacting people. And as much as people don't think that me going on dancing or acting or anything else, it all roots from this place of service. I want to mm -hmm. serve people. That's what I'm about. And so, you know, I just, you know, I always use that data as a way to just stop and reflect and just kind of see what I've done in the last year, see where I want to go and, uh, you know, kind of come up with that new sheet of paper, kind of the things that will help me get there. But I do celebrate it, but it's it's more low key these days. There's no skydiving. There's no, um, <laughs> you know, like I got a tattoo one year and mm. the tattoo, quick story. So the tattoo, where is it? Oh, my God, I see it. Awkward. Yeah. So. When I was injured, I was wearing a watch and you, my wrist actually isn't burned because that mm -hmm. watch actually protected my wrist. So what I decided to do is get a tattoo and that zigzags you see is essentially the face of the watch being broken from the explosion. Mm. The time that I was injured, which was right after 2.30 in the afternoon and then mm. the date in the band. Uh, so we got uh, April 5th, 2000, wait, no, April April, you get it. April 5th, 2003 mm -hmm. and Roman numerals around all the, the way watch. around. That's um, awesome. That's really It's cool. my way, honestly, every day to look down at my, God, put this frame. I put that, put that, you know, I look to down. To honor and, your injury. And I look yeah. at it and I just remind myself, you know what, man? Um, just like a clock, the hands always move around. Mm -hmm. But they'll stop at the bottom six because that's the bottom. They'll stop there if there's no batteries in it. So you got to be willing to show up, man. Put some batteries mm -hmm. in it, you know, recharge. And then that hand will start moving again. You'll start kind of, you know, progressing through life. So, you know, it's my little reminder. But, you know, listen, man, uh, the 5th of April of 2003 is a blessing. Like I said, mm -hmm. I look at it that way because I've done a lot of work. And listen, the work never ends. I'm still in the position now, 19 and a half years post, that I still feel like sometimes I need to go to therapy. And not mm -hmm. to talk about that, but talk about other things in life. Because there's always mm -hmm. things in life that, you know, that we need someone else to come in and just be a voice of reason. And we need an outlet and, and a healthy way to sort of deal with a lot of that trauma and those experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what I just encourage everyone is just never stop, um, never stop the journey of healing, never stop the journey mm -hmm. of being curious about your own pain um, and about other people's. And then, you know, just get out there and just be leaders, just go out there and just kind of show the world, model the way and just tell, show them who we are and what we're capable of that, we're more than just, you know, burn victims. We are what we choose to decide to be. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of bravery and courage in this ability to tell somebody that I am, this is who I am. And I spend a lot of time telling people, this is who I am. 
you've mm. been seeing veteran and burn victim. Well, first and foremost, I'm a burn survivor and mm. I'm not only a veteran. It's a part of me. It's not all of me, but this is mm. who I actually am. So girls, um, I know there, I, we time. can't thank you enough. No, I we can't thank you enough for what you've done today. Before we wrap up here, we do want to send a special thank you to our sponsor, Pritzker Hagman for their sponsorship. The Pritzker Hagman burn injury legal team helps burn survivors and their loved ones pursue compensation and justice throughout the United States. And if you have any legal questions, the attorneys at Pritzker Hagman are ready to help. So you can find out more at legaljourney.guide. Uh, we appreciate all of our supporters, whether you're watching us here uh, or you are listening on our podcast. Always like and leave us a review on your favorite Spotify mm -hmm. or Apple Podcast platform. Subscribe, like us. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, yes, and share with the rest of the community. And if you want to get involved with Phoenix Society and share your story, uh, whether it's through our SOAR program, uh, like JR kind of talked about here and that or through sharing your story online you can always get in touch with us at phoenix-society.org well jr thank you so much again we hope to talk to you again really soon we appreciate it hey thank good you so luck much to you girls uh on this podcast keep kicking butt and keep creating this space for people to have conversation and uh i do wish both of you the best and hope one day we get to like share space together and uh you know tell some of these stories in person yeah, maybe we'll yes. see you at an upcoming World Burn Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, JR. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.